We are each our own devil, and we make this world our hell. Oscar Wilde My name is Alec Christopher, and I am your host. In 1973, a film was released that changed the face of horror forever. Upon its initial release, the film affected many audiences so strongly that at many theaters, paramedics were called to treat people who fainted and others who went into hysterics. One man who saw the movie during its original release fainted and broke his jaw on the seat in front of him. He went on to sue Warner Brothers and the filmmakers, claiming that subliminal imagery in the film had caused him to pass out. The studio settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. If adjusted for inflation, this would be the top-grossing R-rated film of all time, and Warner Brothers' highest-grossing film. This film, of course, is The Exorcist. Demonic possession is a phenomenon found in the beliefs of many religions, but especially Christianity. It is described to be the control of an individual by a malevolent supernatural being. Descriptions of demonic possessions often include erased memories or personalities, convulsions, fits, and fainting as if one were dying. Other descriptions include access to hidden knowledge and foreign languages, changes in both vocal intonation and facial structure, the sudden appearance of injuries such as scratches and bite marks or lesions, and superhuman strength. The victim has no control over the possessing entity, and so it will remain until forced to leave the victim, usually through a form of exorcism. In June 2001, a new Gallup poll of adult Americans indicated that 41% believe that people can be possessed by the devil or his minions. By the late 1960s, Roman Catholic exorcisms were rarely performed in the United States. But by the mid-1970s, pop culture influenced by The Exorcist had revived interest, with thousands claiming demonic possession. Some priests took advantage of the increase in demand and performed exorcisms with little or no official sanction. These exorcisms were, according to contemporary American religion, clandestine underground affairs undertaken without the approval of the Catholic Church, and without the rigorous psychological screening that the church required. In subsequent years, the church took more aggressive action on the demon expulsion front. Catholic exorcists differentiate between ordinary satanic and demonic influence, mundane everyday temptations, and extraordinary satanic or demonic activity, which can take six different forms, ranging from complete control by Satan or demons to voluntary submission. These forms, in order, are Possession, in which Satan or demons take full possession of a person's body without their knowledge or consent. Therefore, the victim is blameless. Obsession, which includes sudden bouts of irrationally obsessive thoughts, often culminating in suicidal ideation and typically influences dreams. Oppression, 
such as in the biblical book of Job, in which Job was tormented by a series of misfortunes in business, family, and health. External physical pain caused by Satan or demons. Infestation, which affects houses, things, or animals, and subjection, in which a person voluntarily submits to Satan or demons. True demonic or satanic possession has been characterized since the Middle Ages in the Roman ritual by the following four characteristics. Manifestation of superhuman strength. Speaking in tongues or languages that the victim cannot know. Revelation of knowledge, distant or hidden, that the victim cannot know. And blasphemous rage, obscene hand gestures, using profanity and an aversion to holy symbols or relics. Signs of demonic invasion vary depending on the type of demon and its purpose, but include a loss or lack of appetite, cutting, scratching, and biting of skin, a cold feeling in the room, unnatural bodily positions, and change in the person's face and body, the possessed losing control and entering into a frenzy or rage, often attacking others, change in the person's voice, supernatural physical strength, knowledge of things that are distant or hidden, prediction of future events, levitation and moving of objects, intense hatred and violent reaction towards all religious objects or items, and antipathy towards entering a church, speaking Jesus' name, or hearing scripture. According to the Vatican guidelines issued in 1999, the person who claims to be possessed must be evaluated by doctors to rule out a mental or physical illness. Most reported cases are judged to not require an exorcism because 20th century Catholic officials regard genuine demonic possession as an extremely rare phenomenon that is easily confused with natural mental disturbances. Many times a person just needs physical or medical help, especially if drugs or other addictions are present. After the need of the person has been determined, then the appropriate help will be met. In the circumstance of spiritual help, prayers may be offered or a counseling session may be prescribed, with exorcism often only used as a last resort. In the process of an exorcism, the person possessed may be restrained so that they do not harm themselves or any person present. The exorcist then prays and commands the demons to leave. The priest recites certain prayers, including the Our Father, Hail Mary, and the Athanasian Creed. Exorcists follow procedures listed in the ritual of exorcism created by the Vatican. Exorcism is considered a confrontation and not simply a prayer, and once it has begun, it has to finish, no matter how long it takes. If the exorcist stops the rite prematurely, then the demon may pursue him. Not all exorcisms are successful the first time. It could take days, weeks, or months of constant prayer and exorcisms. Official Catholic doctrine affirms that demonic possession can occur as distinct from mental illness, but stresses that cases of mental illness should not be misdiagnosed as demonic influence. Catholic exorcisms can occur only under the authority of a bishop and in accordance with strict rules. A simple exorcism also occurs during baptism as a precaution. The concept of exorcism and possession is also present in Protestantism, but is much less regulated due to the ununified state of Protestant churches. In charismatic Christianity, deliverance ministries are activities aimed at solving problems related to demons and spirits, especially possession of the body and soul. 
Some ministries explicitly teach that a Christian cannot have demons in their spirit because the Holy Spirit lives there, though they can have demons in their body or soul due to inner emotional wounds, sexual abuse, or satanic ritual abuse. This is usually known as partial possession or demonic infestation. T.B. Joshua, a Nigerian pastor, has one of the most prominent deliverance ministries and has released hundreds of videos on YouTube and his Christian television station, claiming to show people being delivered from apparent demonic possession. According to Catholic theologians, demonic assault is largely involuntary and allowed by God to test a person. However, in the overwhelming majority of cases of alleged demonic possession in Protestantism, the victim's suffering is their own fault due to occult practices, mortal sin, loss of faith, psychological trauma, and many other causes. Malachi Martin even goes as far as to say, no person can be possessed without some degree of cooperation on his or her part, and the effective cause of possession is the voluntary collaboration of an individual through his faculties of mind and will with one or more of those bodiless, genderless creatures called demons. There are many claims of cases of demonic possession throughout history, including those of Annalise Michel, Roland Doe, and Michael Taylor. Annalise Michel was a German woman who underwent Catholic exorcism rites during the years leading up to her death. Later investigation determined that she was malnourished and dehydrated. Her parents and the priests responsible were charged with negligent homicide. When Michelle was 16, she experienced a seizure and was diagnosed with psychosis caused by temporal lobe epilepsy. She soon also developed depression and was treated at a psychiatric hospital. By the time she was 20, she had become intolerant of various religious objects and began to hear voices. Her condition worsened despite medication, and she became suicidal. Convinced she was possessed, her family appealed to a Catholic priest for an exorcism. While rejected at first, after much hesitation, two priests got permission from the local bishop in 1975. The Catholic Church changed its position, stating she was mentally ill, not possessed. The 2005 film The Exorcism of Emily Rose is loosely based on her story. In the late 1940s in the United States, priests of the Roman Catholic Church performed a series of exorcisms on an anonymous boy with the pseudonym Roland Doe. The 14-year-old boy was the alleged victim of demonic possession, and the events were recorded by the attending priest, Raymond Bishop. The family supposedly experienced strange noises, furniture moving on its own accord, and ordinary objects flying or levitating when the boy was nearby. The family turned to their Lutheran pastor, Luther Miles Scholes, for help. Long interested in parapsychology and the supernatural, Scholes arranged for the boy to spend a night in his home in order to observe him. Scholes then advised the boy's parents to see a Catholic priest. According to the story, the boy then underwent numerous exorcisms. Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest, conducted an exorcism on Roland at Georgetown University Hospital, a Jesuit institution. During the exorcism, the boy allegedly slipped one of his hands out of the restraints, broke a bedspring from under the mattress, and used it as a weapon, slashing the priest's arm and causing the exorcism ritual to be halted. The family then traveled to St. Louis, where Roland's cousin contacted one of his professors at St. Louis University, Raymond J. Bishop. 
The priest visited Roland in his relative's home and allegedly observed a shaking bed, flying objects, the boy speaking in a guttural voice and exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred. The priest was granted permission from the archbishop to perform another exorcism. During this exorcism, words such as evil and hell, along with other various marks, allegedly appeared on the boy's body, and that during the litany of saints portion of the exorcism ritual, the boy's mattress began to shake. It was even claimed that the boy broke a priest's nose. Priests involved later claimed that after the rite was over, the victim went on to lead a rather ordinary life. The book, and later the film adaption of The Exorcist, were inspired by this case. An example of a Protestant exorcism is the case of Michael Taylor. In 1974, Taylor's wife, Christine, stated to a Christian fellowship group that her husband was having an affair. Michael Taylor admitted that he felt evil within him and eventually attacked the leader of the group verbally. During the next meeting, Michael Taylor received an absolution, but nevertheless, his behavior continued. As a result, the local vicar called on other ministers experienced in deliverance to cast out the demons residing within the man. The exorcism, which occurred on the 5th to the 6th of October 1974 at St. Thomas's Church in Gauber, was headed by Father Peter Vincent, the Anglican priest of St. Thomas's, and was aided by a Methodist clergyman, the Reverend Raymond Smith. According to Bill Ellis, an authority on folklore and the occult in contemporary culture, the exorcists believed that they had, in an all-night ceremony, invoked and cast out at least 40 demons including those of incest, bestiality, blasphemy, and lewdness. The exorcism rite lasted until 6 a.m., exhausting the priests, who eventually allowed the man to return home, only after cautioning him that although they had cast out 40 spirits, a few remained, including the demon of murder. Many possible explanations have been put forward as the cause of behavior seen in supposed possession victims, which include anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis, an acute form of brain inflammation that is potentially lethal but has a high probability for recovery with treatment. The disease progresses at varying rates, and patients present with a variety of neurologic symptoms. During the initial stages, behavior changes are a common first symptom. These changes often include agitation, paranoia, psychosis, and violent behaviors. Other common first manifestations include seizures and bizarre movements, mostly of the lips and mouth, but also including pedaling motions with the legs or hand movements resembling playing a piano. Some other symptoms typical during the disease onset include impaired cognition, memory deficits, and speech problems including aphasia, perseveration, or mutism. The symptoms usually appear psychiatric in nature, which in many cases leads to the illness going undiagnosed. As the disease progresses, the symptoms become medically urgent and often include autonomic dysfunction, hypoventilation, cerebellar ataxia, hemiparesis, loss of consciousness, or catatonia. The majority of patients experience at least four symptoms, with many experiencing six or seven over the course of the disease. It is due to this that many believe the disease to be a possible explanation for many early accounts of demonic possession. Those who are supposedly demonically possessed often show symptoms associated with physical or mental illnesses, such as hysteria, mania, and psychosis. Due to this, many psychological and neurological illnesses have been put forth as an explanation, including Tourette syndrome, 
epilepsy, schizophrenia, conversion disorder, and disassociative identity disorder. It is also not uncommon to ascribe the experience of sleep paralysis to demonic possession. There is even a form of monomania called demonomania or demonopathy in which the patient believes that they are possessed by one or more demons. When one studies the many cases of demonic possession throughout history, a pattern of tragedy interwoven with prejudice and misunderstanding of those with mental illnesses becomes clear. So many of those that were and are supposedly possessed are truly just people who do not need to undergo an intensely traumatic religious rite, but just simply need professional help, and this can often have terrible consequences. Take Annalise Michelle, for example. Michelle had clearly suffered from many mental illnesses while she was alive, and the religious hysteria of her parents only made it worse. If one is restrained, chanted and prayed over, screamed at, and told over and over that they are possessed, that they are evil, it would only be a matter of time before anyone would begin to believe it. It's no wonder that Annalise did. My name is Alec Christopher. And this has been Consensus Reality. Okay, so before I let you go, I have a few things uh, I'd like to say. First of all, Consensus Reality now has a Twitter, at ConsRealityCast. I will keep y'all up to date on the update schedule for the podcast, when new episodes release, etc. If you have any questions for me, if y'all have any ideas or suggestions for things you'd like to see in a future episode, that would be the best place for you to contact me. Once again, that's at ConsRealityCast. At C-O-N-S RealityCast. I'd also like to make a humble request that if you like this podcast, you give me a rating, review, share, or whatever on iTunes or Stitcher, or whichever service it is that you use. It'd be super helpful and would mean the world to me. That's about it. Thank you for listening. And remember to think critically.